Greetings and welcome to yet another episode of the Grog Pod Roguelike Podcast, where each episode of this podcast we descend from orbit and land on a barren, desolate roguelike game, big or small, uh, light or like, uh, depending on the definition of the day, depending on how we're feeling or how the dice is rolled. Uh, and we try to rank these uh, in the pantheon of other games that we've talked about in previous episodes as, uh, I guess, as, as best we can, uh, while fighting off waves of uh, cannibalistic raiders in the process. Uh, I am your host of the said podcast, a plushy, muffalo-stuffed animal, Scott Berger. Uh, and landing with me on this godforsaken hellscape of a planet, with me in their own escape pods, are my co-hosts. This is Will, the rare thrumbo. Um, so you're going to need at least a level 20 training if you want to have a chance of taming me. And this is Andrew Harshman uh, reporting in from uh, whatever barren wasteland we've landed on. I am, of course, the space colonist's pet that gets turned into shish kebabs within the first seven <laughs> days of the play period. And I'm Colin, your Arctic settler who uh, managed to capture a thrumbo in a room and slowly starve it slash shoot it to death so I, my colony <laughs> could eat yes well uh welcome returning listeners and maybe uh, a swath of new listeners who might be joining uh the podcast since uh since my uh non non-stop shilling of it on uh the most recent uh, roguelike celebration event where i was lucky enough to be selected as a guest speaker to be talking about uh my talk title at the time, the, uh, quote, data science of roguelikes, uh, where we had all sorts of fun deep dives into the data. Where do we get the data? What does the data say about stuff? Uh, and I'll uh, I'll post, I guess they, they haven't split it out into individual videos yet. Um, they just have like the day one, day two, like eight hour live streams. Maybe I'll dump a timestamp from that into the show notes. Uh but once that uh, once that standalone video gets put up, I think I'll, I'll probably uh, just put that up here as well. Um, but part of that discussion was that roguelikes are an enormous genre. There's, in fact, uh, earlier today, we've had yet another reset the counter boys moment of people coming into the roguelike discord asking what the definition is. So uh, <laughs> you might be clicking on this episode and going, huh? Rimworld? Uh, you got some explaining to do. So I think we've... We've talked about in our episode just previous to this one, what is the extent of what makes a rogue game or rogue not game, light or like, or all that nonsense. Uh, rogue so dark. Check out. <laughs> yeah, there were, this is this is roguelikes after dark, is this episode. Um, uh, in which, yeah, so let's let's jump right into it. Our, our episode this week, uh, which I think is probably succinctly put as an MBA program in video game form, Rimworld, <laughs> originally released on uh, way back, I think we're almost closing in on the 10-year anniversary from the early PC Kickstarter of Rimworld, November 2013, uh, released on Steam, I guess, five years later, October 2018, uh, and believe it or not, available on consoles, PlayStation and Xbox One from July 2022 onwards. Um this RimWorld was uh, published and developed by Ludian Studios, based out in Ottawa, Canada, or neighbors to the north, and founded by someone who, I'm 100% sure this is like 
a D&D name generated uh, name and or a RimWorld alias founded by Tynan Sylvester in <laughs> 2013. It's a very D&D name. Uh, and where this game would roll up in our data set, if it landed on our data set, it's, I guess we'll get into it in a minute, but uh, this game is not explicitly tagged as a roguelike per se, but if it was, if it did land on our data set, it would be the number seven most popular rogue big hand gesture uh, cloud. Lights, we say rogue light, right? Sure, yeah. I think like, yes. yeah, I think if if Door Fortress is enough to be canonized as like an honorary rogue, I think uh, that kicks open the floodgates for, for RimWorld as well. So if this one were to fall into our data set, it would be the number seven most popular rogue, guy, rogue type game with 168,618. Nice kind of uh, palindromic number there. Total reviews. Will, Colonist is about to snap, and you have to describe this game in one sentence to keep them sane. It's a top-down colony management simulation game. There you go. Very succinctly. <clears throat> I'm glad My you didn't call on me. Fancy enough. <laughs> well, there's a lot more depth to it than that, but you want one sentence? That's that, That's the sentence. Um, it's also, you know one of the top three greatest games of all time, in my opinion, um, obviously. So that's the, the correct opinion. And I was so glad that I was very glad that I got the pick. I've been wanting to play this game for so long. I, I played it again, I should say. I, I played it. I think I put 520 hours into it uh, within like the time of between getting it and like, I don't know, like a few years ago. And I know they ra they came up with a whole bunch of new DLC. I hadn't played any of the, the royalty DLC, the ideology, the... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, biomechanics or the um, uh, the robotics or biotech? Genetics? I think it's just biotech. Biomics. Yeah, biotech. That's it. And so e even in the the recent playthroughs, in the past, what we've had two weeks or so, I think Kong, you were just saying you were looking at my Steam and it was like forty plus hours in the past two weeks, <laughs> and I, I can't even. I wish I could give you an evaluation of the DLC, but I have had so little experience with it, which is to say that like there's just so much content in this game that like. Uh, I, I had I've had several colonies, for instance, and like just that died off very quickly. The first one, I there was a pregnancy, which is new to me, and in the one that I've been playing for the last forty hours, no pregnancy. And so you're just like you may or may not come across many of the major aspects of the DLC, just because there's just so much other stuff going on, and um, it's uh incredibly complex, and the replayability is so high. It's just oh my god, if you haven't played RimWorld, you're, you're missing out. I, I'm envious of you because you get the experience of having to you're getting to play it for the first time. Mm -hmm. So you you said Colony Sim, or I think yeah, we've touched on Colony Sim. What what separates this from something like like a Sim Ant or I'm struggling to think of some other Colony Sims like... 20 years. Uh, well, I don't think that this game, <laughs> unlike Sim Ant, it's not available in my 6th grade shop class. <laughs> Um, they, they don't have RimWorld installed on those Mac computers. Yeah, what is the difference? I, I haven't had a whole lot of uh, colony simulator experience. I, I, in my opinion, it's, it's they all kind of they have a lot of the similar mechanics where everything is being simulated in real time. And the difference for, for me on this one is it's got a very compelling narrative that I love, but mm -hmm. also there is just a uh, so much depth to like all the different characteristics. Like just, just take one characteristics like temperature. 
for instance. And temperature is a major part in the game, as someone Colin would say this, as someone who's in the who's playing in the Arctic. Like your your yes. ponds will start to like get hypothermia. They'll start to collect all these different uh, status effects, these mood losses when they sleep in the cold, and uh, when it's too hot, they sleep, they have the opposite. They can catch on fire, and so just with temperature and needing to freeze things, and like certain things will rot at certain temperatures, and like there's just so much complexity around all that stuff. But it all follows what you would expect, I think. So it's a very good, I think, approximation of what the world is as we know it, which is something I really appreciate because you're not—it's not inventing a whole bunch of well, it is inventing some new things, but for the for the most part, the world as we know it like makes a lot of sense. You get shots in the the arm, you have an arm wound and suddenly your manipulation percent goes down. And so like a lot of that stuff just is very intuitive. If you have someone who's a very good doctor and they patch up that arm, there's a good chance that you won't get infected. Or if you have a sterile environment that you won't get infected. But if you're, you know, patching it up in the middle of like blood and guts and people's vomits, there's a good chance you'll get infected, die from the infection and all that fun stuff. So that, that level of depth and uh, um, complexity, I think, really just adds so much to the game. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the I'm sure that there were games before, but the the Ur Colony Simulator is, of course, Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, RimWorld is the successor and uh, I don't want to say culmination, but it is it is the the one that that first truly polished off Dwarf Fortress and made it into a playable version um mm. like i think it takes a lot of the uh brutality of dwarf fortress the, the the true like losing is fun options like i think most of the other the colony sims that came before something like prison architect like you didn't really you know you didn't lose uh and like the only reason i could say dwarf, uh um uh, rim world is a colony simulator is, is absolutely possible to lose I've lost, I lost multiple runs uh, trying to, to survive in the Arctic, which is my preferred method of playing for some reason, <laughs> uh, including one where they didn't, they didn't even make it past the first night. I decided to build too far away uh, from where they started and they all froze to death while trying to carry supplies to the new like place they were going to build. So, yeah. So I have a bullet point in here that maybe we'll, we'll, keep expanding on these comparisons with Dwarf Fortress that for it feels like to me RimWorld is like the Warcraft 3 to Dwarf Fortress's StarCraft. Does that sound right? Is that is that too analogous? Am I digging too deep? I have no idea what you mean by that. <laughs> what I mean is like uh more maybe I'm just reiterating what Colin just said like a more polished sort of like um user user friendly maybe i'm thinking of just like the uh the uh, map editor and specifically but like yeah i think i'm just gonna like yeah echo colin's point that it for my love of door fortress it does feel like rim world is the more streamlined polished version maybe i'll stop there yeah that's i can see where you i can see a little bit where the comparison is like uh door fortress is a little bit grittier it's definitely a lot jankier uh, Starcraft, the original Starcraft, had a good deal of jank in it, and then you know when Warcraft Three came along, the graphics were a little cutesier, uh, a little. Uh, both great games, in both categories, both comparisons. Yeah, but being able to click things and yeah. uh, 
that's 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 the. I mean, we talked about this in the past, like how big a deal, like that UI and the ability, like with Cataclysm, for instance, being the most recent, like that was abysmal to play. Um, and this was a relative delight. And if only that ha- <laughs> that game had this interface. I mean, it's got a lot of similar properties. It's, it's like a sim- large tile based simulation. If this that game, if that game had like this game's graphics and the ability to click things, I bet you I would fucking love Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. That's that seems to be what missed there. But like this game, it's just got it all. Or even li- literally Dwarf Fortress. Like the new Steam release came further, but like I think that Dwarf Fortress uh, thematically makes more sense than RimWorld, which is a weird space western, and you kind of have to hand wave away. Like, why why are you living in this planet? Why can't you just like have normal houses? <laughs> why are people trying to cannibalize you? But also I, I have space guns. I feel like that's maybe my my biggest criticism of the game is the theme. Um, but maybe before jumping into that, uh we'll we'll jump into like how how does this game begin? So uh in our typical our story begins uh segment, um we have Oh wait, I know this one. Brotato has crash landed on a planet. <laughs> oh sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, so you have, well, you have to generate the potato planet first, uh, and by doing so, well, even before doing that, you have, I, and I need to call this out every time that I find it, the tutorial option. This game's tutorial, I think, is really good, but maybe not super good, because I feel like it, it gives you, like, you know the 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 kind of like keys to the playground you're like okay yeah i think i can get bootstrapped and started here um and then as soon as the tutorial is like okay you think you like you're behind the driver's seat of the car that you were driving for the first time all right good luck hop on the freeway you're like oh my god uh oncoming traffic kind of a deal um generally i feel like when we come across a, a game with a good tutorial it's worth calling out i think RimWorld has a good tutorial mode well, we're back after the evil Comcast destroyed <laughs> our first colony. Uh, Scott, you were talking about the tutorial. Yes, in typical roguelike fashion, you know, whenever we have to restart the recording, uh, maybe we'll let's just start the whole podcast over again. I'm your host, Scott Berger. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think the tutorial mode in this game is good. Um, Andrew, this was your also, well... Good, but not great, <laughs> I, I believe you were quoted as saying. Um, and I don't know what a great tutorial would be. Like, it does it need to handhold me all the way to the end? Probably not. But, um, Andrew, did you do the tutorial? For oh, I absolutely did the tutorial. I did the tutorial twice because I could not get, uh, I could not get my little meeples cooking. And, <laughs> um, I'm not exactly sure what happened. It felt like the game was soft locked, but I'm sure I, mess something up and upon restarting the tutorial and making sure i was following the 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 procedure uh step by step very very uh to the letter um it went through and uh yeah i did play it thoughts are that it's good not great indeed (laughs) i felt like it gave me enough uh it, it, it gave me the basics enough to play the game um, I was, you know, doing a fair amount of Googling and I watched a few videos and I was 
kind of dismayed initially. Uh, oh no, I gotta teach myself a game again, like like with Cataclysm. Oh no, I don't want to do this. I just want to sit down and play a game. And then I keep getting distracted by like more brainless, um, like FPS games and stuff. Um, it seems that I'm on a perpetual like you know, uh, retro shooter kick. Um, <laughs> but when I would come back, uh, you know, I, I, I the tutorial did a decent job of putting that information in my brain. Um, one thing that I'm either like forgot because uh, a decent amount of time passed since I like successfully completed the tutorial and actually like you know sunk a decent amount of time into a run um, was. So either I forgot that it mentioned this or the tutorial doesn't mention it that like in the tutorial mode, it your crops grow like uber fast. And mm. so like my first couple of runs kept getting like kind of bogged down and I ended up like restarting um, because the crops were growing so slowly in comparison to the tutorial. And I'm like, why are they going so slow? Why? Why is the percentage stopping when the sun goes down? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, <laughs> not like in the tutorial at all. What's the, what's the deal? And then, like, I thought, well, maybe I picked a different part of the globe than like in the tutorial, and so I restarted it again. And then yeah, I just then start, I start realized, in the oh, no, Arctic just, where it's sunny all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's necessarily a failing of the of the tutorial, but um, yeah, there's just I, I guess an example of how like the tutorial can't quite you know cover everything. Mm. And yeah, I mean, as I started trying to like tech up and stuff, it would have been nice if those things had been covered. Um, it's yeah, it's tough to say. I, I was kind of surprised that for a fully released 1.0 game that's like so popular and was like in production, like early access or whatever for so long that there wasn't. I was surprised when I got to the end of the tutorial, basically. I was like, oh, hmm. really? That's all? Oh, okay. I've been told this game is incredibly granular and deep. Uh, uh oh, I'm a little worried that the tutorial took 10 minutes. But is so, I mean, luckily we have two rim world experts with us who can. Experts? <laughs> experts on rimming here uh, yeah. who can tell us. Which of the uh, the AI storytellers we should pick that could really just like hold our hands for us new people to get the most optimal play experience? I sure. only play on the the standard person. Yeah, you should do the 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 class. I think it's the classic, and then like a the one of the not the first level of difficulty, but like the second or third probably. Hmm. I think it's I, I believe it's something like a seven point scale for difficulty. Mm -hmm. Whichever one is right above strive to survive which is the the like you're starting to actually make the game hard difficulty which is the one mm -hmm. i like yeah that uh, strive to survive is the one that like coming back into it i think that's the most like fun where like yeah there's some challenge but uh, like you definitely want to have some difficulty but like it's not overwhelmed like i didn't want to have to reset uh, the colony a bunch of times i've already done the lessons learned and so like that's the the thing that you guys are going through right now i know especially like scott you you, you demonstrated what your colony looked like to me and i'm just like oh my goodness this is <laughs> this is is interesting to see like oh yeah i guess wood walls they are something they help you in the beginning but well ability is a lesson you learn very well well there's a big difference for so if people are coming to this game from door fortress like the number one thing is that this is all as far as i know maybe i'm like my mind is yet to be open but so this game is all on just one z level so like yeah. one floor yeah. if you will so you can't dig down deep into the nice cozy cozy ground and be like all right well i'm just gonna dig out like room by room what i want here 
you mm-hmm. have to be very diligent with like oh i'm gonna be like going around and like i guess mining these like surface deposits of rock and stuff and then building out my base on the surface here and your colonists are smart enough to at least put roofs on things but um but yeah i was like oh well i have to like completely reset my door fortress mindset into yeah. like it's it's a similar but different approach of how you do this like same kind of colony management space did either of you guys get killed by the bugs uh no as a deep like building your colony (laughs) dug deep within the rocks is uh extremely dangerous way to play uh the insects the the it, weird insectoids will infestation is what the the event is called yeah 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 they will eventually spawn in your base and you will have like the giant insect uh creatures spawn inside your base inside of all of your defenses and it is extremely hard to get them out so uh, which is cool. interesting because in my brain space I'm thinking like okay that's it's a similar idea with dwarf fortress um all right uh so I guess we were talking about digging too deep uh indeed yeah unfortunately uh l- l- listeners there there was um a an escape pod mishap and <laughs> scott has been jettisoned down to the, the planet's surface so he is remote and he might sound a little tin canny in... he's calling in over the comm station uh right so ai storytellers i think are is a is a big aspect of this game that's something you don't get with your dwarf fortress is something you don't get with your frost punks uh but it sounds like colin and will you only play with cassandra classic and not really with phoebe chillax or randy random at all okay well i'll I'll add this caveat like never the chillax one i have no interest in low difficulty low difficulty is the most boring thing maybe if you really want to learn how to cook and you and that's like something you need to focus on without other distractions but like Difficulty makes the game fun. And so oftentimes, like um, in previous playthroughs, I mean, I've had many, many, many over the 580 hours, but like the Randy Random is one of my favorite things. Because when you have like 50 cats, like just pop onto your screen and they all suddenly join your colony. Like that's, I mean, like that's an event that can happen in in any case, but like that happening after some other like, like positive, like you could have multiple negative things happening, multiple positives. It's like, it's just completely crazy. And it's that, that, makes it much more well difficult but like fun to have to mitigate and so if you do the maximum difficulty on on randy random then you're in for like just a zany time and it can be like super fun to do that style of playthrough just knowing that it can go sideways very quickly yeah i think random events is uh very is something that i appreciate in games and uh makes for a lot of fun especially after the game when you're you know evangelizing on behalf of a game that you've played you can tell folks about oh here's the unique situation that played out in my game and how these random scenarios came together to form a unique fun narrative and i i think it also sort of despite that not being something that was present in like the original game rogue it speaks to the um uh, sort of the forebearers of uh the rogue genre and the and the like dungeons and dragons uh, the Dungeons and Dragons themes that are present in throughout roguelike games in, you know, original Dungeons and Dragons, there's a lot of random encounters and random tables and things of that nature. And so it's cool to kind of see that reflected in in games like this. Yeah, well, it's, it's not actually like random, like in, in the sense that like, uh, well, I mean, obviously, like it's it's pulling from a pool of possible events. But what I what I think is 
really interesting about like the base difficulty is that like it tries to do the balance of the positive and negative events, but then it also uses your total wealth as essentially the thing that calibrates the 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 scale and the magnitude of all the events. And so if you if you have lots of colonists and lots of wealth accumulated um in your colony, you'll get like a horde of like fifty guys attacking you and uh, like on a on a on a raid. <laughs> And, uh, and, and it doesn't, and it'll like make sure that like when you're first starting, you get like just mad, maddened animals. And then as you get a little further along, there's a guy with a little knife, but like, so it's, it's, it, 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 the difficulty ramps pretty closely with the your overall uh, ability in the game in terms of the kind of your your static defense and all that fun stuff. And so I just really appreciate smart. It's, it's it's so good at self balancing into that super fun corridor between and that on that scale of difficulty and skill. Um, and so I think that it's really uh, it's a very nice attribute of this game as opposed to like a dwarf fortress or other games which just they don't care they just like. Here's the punishment hammer and it's landed on your face. Yeah, I, I'm not usually super into difficulty sliders and and stuff like that, but I feel like it works well for RimWorld because it's such a malleable game. You can really customize how you want the experience to be. Um, like you can you can absolutely make this more or less of a roguelike based off of your difficulty curve that you choose and how you want it to throw things at you um you can like at the one end it's like getting to the end of this season will be a difficult task and at the other end it's i'm building a, like a sim city style thing where i'm pretty sure i'm going to survive there will be challenges that are thrown at me that will influence how my game progresses but i don't i won't be at like true risk of losing at all but you could still have a great time i look at something like factorio where like i don't really ever feel like i'm going to lose something like factorio or SimCity, but it's still a great game you could do the same thing with RimWorld if you wanted uh yeah so um on the one hand uh permadeath like and not being able to save it's not like a default it is a conscious like choice you make when you start a new colony um, so one might argue that, well, maybe that's not the most roguelike, but it's kind of counterbalanced, I feel like, by the fact that uh by the fact that it is very much a run-based game. Mm -hmm. And like seeing how far you get with a given uh given colony under, you know, whatever circumstances and whatever, you know, the uh narrator um, you know, picks for you is very much it seems like a focus of the game. And it seems like there's there is, I guess, technically a tangible goal that you're reaching towards in that. So your story begins, you know, you have all these different kind of scenarios to pick from. And one of them, I think this is the tutorial one, uh, is that your your colony ship has broken apart and there's only a, a three survivors that land on the planet. And, you know, it's not explicitly stated, but basically your victory condition for the game, and Will and Colin, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically to build a spaceship and just get off the planet. Is that right? Yeah, that's the default one. Um, there's several more now, but yeah, that's uh, that's so what a lot of people aim for. It's like uh, that Tom Hanks film. Yeah, either oh. build a ship to get off, find the find the other ship that's already there and defend for a while. Uh, if you have the DLC, you can become like an Imperial noble person and they'll come like pick you up once they like you enough uh 
that there's another you can be like a become like a tech robot god or something i haven't really explored that one yet but so yeah colin when you and when you and will are embarking on a new adventure in rimworld like do you have like a specific goal in mind like okay like i'm going to do this like every time or is it like oh i'm gonna fire up a new run in rimworld to do something different I'm usually trying to do some sort of weird scenario. So like, I, I feel like I I can't remember the last time I did a, let's just have like a couple of normal normal people on a temperate map with no weirdness going on. I'm always either in the Arctic or the desert or permanent eclipse or like, I'm just going to click random on everything and see where I end up and go from there. So it's like, maybe I'll be a jungle. Who knows? Maybe like all my colonists might be incredibly bad to start with because I won't choose the best ones. Um, I feel like it's more interesting to try to do a, a themed scenario of some sort. I'm the complete uh, opposite. Will's, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I want... The game for me is beating the difficulty level. And so I want to choose all the optimal conditions I possibly can and have the only thing that I'm striving against not be like the shittiness of my pawns or the location I land. Um, I want the only thing that I'm, I'm fighting against to be the highest level of difficulty. Uh, well, that's like historically been like my goal with this game. And now that I feel like I've accomplished that, it's like, well, now what, what else can I do? And I, for this game, I really want to explore the DLC. And so I, I set the difficulty a little lower because I just didn't want to get absolutely wrecked right away. And my goal is kind of like, well, I want to need to stay alive long enough to like experience DLC. So I kind of made it like, well, I'm going to build um, an optimal base. And in the past, I've done, um, you know, a, a lot of analysis around optimal base design. And this, and this for this run, I, I think I did another like 20 hours of like outside the game, like research into... <laughs> Uh, well, you know, room sizes have changed since the last, the optimal room sizes have changed, insulation conditions have changed, how much beauty, what kind of flooring has changed. So I had to do a lot of research into like, well, what's the proper structure? Obviously, it's all based around the central freezer. How many, how many AC units do I need to, you know, all these things, all these considerations, hallways, um, all the electricity and defenses and uh, kill boxes. It's all a very <laughs> intricate puzzle. And to put it all together in such a satisfying way when you're, you're you're playing the game live and it's all coming together and it's working out just like you planned and your your defenses are holding against these big rates. Oh, it's just so satisfying. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm right now just talking about it. I feel my excitement to like play RimWorld, like building in me. And I'm like, oh my God, my colony right now. I know where, right where it's at. And like, I know what my objectives are. I just got the comms console. The, the drug production just start, started. So I need to start selling that flake. <laughs> Oh my god, it's the get rich phase. <laughs> the get rich phase is like when things Woo! really take off. Oh yeah, I forgot about how every Rimworld colony does end up devolving into you just being like a Columbia drug lord producer. Right. That's the that's my big gripe, I think, is that like it, the optimal play invariably is being a drug lord. Because menu the manufacturer of that specifically the drug flake is the most lucrative thing you can do in the game. And turns out money is a really good replacement for pretty much any skill um, <laughs> that your pawns need or like any like deficiencies you have. If your gear is really shitty and you don't have a good, you know, you don't have a good um, uh, uh, artist, so you don't have any good art, like you just buy all that shit and uh, you need some medicine, buy all that shit. And so flake is just the thing that turns into all the things you need to win. 
just like so, in the real world. Yeah. And drugs. at that point, why would you even want to leave your colony? Why would you want to escape on a ship just to hang out? That's in a, your that's a great question. city space mansion. Uh, interesting. Well, uh, Will, uh, I'm not I'm not going to argue with you at all. You paint a beautiful picture. And <laughs> I and I think this will be reflected in my uh, very much in my ranking. Um, you paint a beautiful picture. I, I sense your excitement. It is palpable. Um, it it inspires me to play this game a, a bit more, <laughs> to, to to go back to it and and continue to uh, to keep at it. Um, but sadly, I think just my my brain uh, works works differently, and I think that this is the RimWorld is a very good game. It is a very good game, but. Sadly, it's just kind of not not my type of game. I, I have a solution though for you. Oh, before you like, com- you know, it sounds like you're 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 kind of putting it aside and all that fun. Stuff, but like, let me off like prepare carefully is is a mod for the game, and it's a prepare mod. Carefully. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So RimWorld, I think after Slay the Spire, it's the game I put the most in, in time in. And like, and there's about I think eight hundred different like children, no, uh, three hundred different like children by- backstories, and I think five hundred different adult backstories. And these each of these things has like specific attributes that lead to like the total sum of the adult properties. And what Prepare Carefully allows you to do is to select these things. And so mm-hmm. the reason I, I say this is like, oh, that sounds really annoying. Well, I would hate to have to select from all these things in order to come up with people. But what you can do though is you can create your friends. And when you have <laughs> oh, your friends in the boy. game, yeah. And you and you basically try and match their abilities to the abilities of the characters, you know, some kind of in a kind of a, a, a more of a abstract sense. But like then suddenly, you know, you're running around and Colin, he's on the front line and he just got a fucking headshot and he just lost like the left his left eye. You care a lot more. You start to like your investment in like, oh, wow, looks like Colin just fell in love with uh, maybe there's another some some other person that, you know, in your life. And they fell in love and they get married organically in the game. And it's just this happy story of how they have kids. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's just a really fun way of doing it. It's like The Sims. Yeah, yeah. But and it can be like uh Jordy LaForge on Star Trek. Right, no, I've, I've <laughs> actually, I've made that colony where everyone was, I've had Picard, Wharf, and like I chose yeah, my prepared oh, carefully. Excellent. It was the whole crew down there. Every time someone would join to be a new TNG character and like, oh, oh that's well, that's a, fun that is a very playing. fun and enjoyable idea, but what, what I was characters? referencing, what I was referencing was when Jordy like starts hitting on like a holodeck, like rep, replication oh, of right. some famous um, right. engineer and then, like later, they get uh, anyway. They they get like married. Oh, terrible situation. They don't get married anyway. She was don't, married, don't they? I thought. I thought later, like canonically in the movies, they get hit. No, no she was. She was already married. Are we sure? Okay. I am quite certain. I, I think this that, episode well, I think in the uh, and that maybe the hologram was married. Well, well, she she was a real person. She was the person that built these uh, the Enterprise's engines, and so uh, he 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 needed her help to solve the situation with the radiation. They would fall into a trap. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, apparently, I know way too much about TNG. I'm realizing, but, <laughs> did, but I don't know her I'm name still, though. So I'm still I'm still uh, unclear on if she he fell in love with the hologram or the, the hologram. Woman. Okay, but and the hologram was married the, the, to the, a different hologram. The person, no, the, the, the real, real person, the hologram was based yeah. on was married. Mm. Holy moly! The hologram was single. The hologram was very single, very eligible, in fact, and she was very into him. So you know that's where the immoral problem arises. Yes. Uh, so basically, uh, what you're saying is you make it like The Sims, where you make your friends in Sims. But then if they die, you can um, turn their skin into human leather chairs, and you can eat their flesh. Yeah, they're still useful. 
<laughs> I think indeed. I think I'm curious. I, so the the meme that I see a lot uh, on on the internets is that like uh, I, the internet would have you believe that RimWorld is like first a colony simulator, but second an orgist harvesting business yes. simulator. So how how essential is that to to you two veteran players' operations? It's it's well, it's, it's very important to YouTube. I mean, no like as soon intended. as you're like your your main your your you know the screen shows cannibalism is the best way, or like ooh fresh baby meat, the only way to live. <laughs> like you you know that you're you're that's gonna get some clicks. And I still I'm still really excited about there's an ideology where you want to, it's cannibalistic and baby meat gives you an extra like mood <laughs> boost. And so I'm really looking forward to that fresh baby meat in the next playthrough. <laughs> And then, uh, that's of course the speedrun uh, strat yeah. to become the the, the space uh, monarch and then have a ship come pick you up. Yeah, that one, I've, that I've I've never engaged in that. Uh, you North have side. to like suspicious. You have to specifically like hunt out colonists that have that trait because if you don't, like shocker, most people don't want to be cannibals. This is true in game as well. If you cannibalize people in the game with a normal pawn, they're very upset. They're just unworthy. Then they'll die, they'll have a mood break, and then your cannibals will eat them. Yeah, (laughs) we have not talked about mood breaks, which are uh, frequent and almost excessive. uh, Which I imagine, maybe, I guess I'll let you expound upon it uh, and quit quit interrupting, but uh, perhaps that is part of the fun in that, like, you know, when you get comparable, when you get proficient in a game, you want it to be more difficult, to be more engaging. Um... To me, at like my level of play, it just kind of feels like a babysitter simulator, and it's like I don't. <laughs> why do I have to? Why do I have to manage these people's moods? Um, but part of that, part of the issue is just the frustration with like not quite understanding all the systems and being like, well, I don't know why they're mad. Um, oh, because they didn't the, the monkey got killed or whatever. The pet monkey. I should have realized uh, ahead of time. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Do do continue. They happen too frequently, perhaps you say. Uh, I I mean I I think that they happen. I feel like they're very all or nothing. Um, they're like, I've gone on a murderous rampage. You're like, uh-oh. Well, I guess I should have let you eat on that table. Well, it's also an important uh, distinguisher between how RimWorld does these kind of mood effects versus Dwarf Fortress, where in Dwarf Fortress, if dwarves start getting into like a weird mood, they'll they'll either, if their weird requirements are satisfied, they'll go and create some sort of unique work of art or some unique uh, battle axe that has like menacing spikes on it or something cool. Um, whereas it does seem very much more in, in RimWorld as far as I've played in you know the paltry 10-ish hours, 15 hours or so, that yeah, this is like a, a system that you have to manage, but it's more of like, well, like in, by by the way that you manage the their mood are is kind of like the way that you're progressing the base anyway, in a sense, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It, it's mood is just a resource you have to manage, and you eventually learn how to best do things. Like you you learn that hey, everyone has to eat in a dining room, and so if you have an impressive dining room, everyone shares together in that plus six perk for having an impressive. Uh, dining room and so oh yeah and everyone likes to have their own bed they don't like to be interrupted when they sleep they like to be in the right temperature and so there's a lot of like base things you start to learn about oh i can just get rid of most of the negative attributes just by having like a reasonable base and then um you know for the extra times when people are 
you know, having they lost you, you lost a pet unexpectedly. Shit happens. Um, that's why you have you have a bunch of smoke leaf just ready to go. And so <laughs> you set the, you give them a drug policy which says if your mood is below thirty percent or your recreation is below thirty percent, just go light up, just chill out. You know, come back. You know, slow down your work, just to take it easy, and then you're gonna be good to go. Sure, sure. Yeah, use use substances to regulate your mood. Just like it's just like real. Best like I said, it's a perfect <laughs> situation. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, very, very entertaining indeed. Um, yeah, good, good. What a, what, a, what a deal, what a deal. I do, uh, yeah, enjoy. Well, I guess past this topic, but it's just it's nice to hear how you can like really, you know, kind of customize your experience and, and give yourself different like end goals and stuff. Because sometimes I've I've encountered games similar to this where it seems like uh, the simulation is the point and that there's not like any goals to be really. To, to, to achieve but rim world there you can make your own goals uh very easily and it provides a lot for you as well so i, I appreciate that uh they had the thought to like put in um yeah uh their goal posts for the players to reach and uh quite a variety of them yeah no, I, I think, think i think uh ultimately think, like oh go ahead scott oh yeah so i think i might be kind of in the same sort of slump zone that andrew is currently in where Andrew was saying it kind of feels like a baby a babysitter simulator and I think I'm in that spot right now as well because it doesn't like I still have all the muscle memory for like all right door fortress like land and expand start building out all these workshops and stuff and all right the dwarves know what to do and if I set up this workshop some dwarf is going to go in there and start cranking away on stuff once I set that thing up I think one of the things that's kind of unclear to me even after the tutorial which I I thought taught me how to do this but then will you looked at my base on the live stream and you're just like like have have you played a video game before <laughs> i uh, think that wasn't quite that uh, i mean and so i think one of the things was like i don't really know how food in this game works right so you land on the, your colony and there's like a bunch of these resources sort of scattered around the map and i thought that like oh if i just set like a stockpile zone here that like and like yeah the stockpile is like for everything that I thought like the the Rimworld Pond colonists would be smart enough to go out and like pick stuff up and put it there. But that doesn't really seem to be the case. And when you were looking at my base, you were like, look at all these like um like food packs and stuff they have scattered around the map. No wonder all of your colonists are are starving. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta get your food production in in a way. So like that was just you, hauling the food back to your base. You had nobody hauling stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a whole another thing. So is it that they I, weren't hauling, or that like they weren't? It wasn't set to allow to haul. Yeah, it is really weird that when when you land, like all of the items that come with you are immediately set to like forbid, do not touch. <laughs> like do I'm it. not sure why that is uh, the default. It seems like they should be defaulted to these are the important items. Like the first thing I do in any run is unforbid literally everything that they have forbidden i've never found that to be like a useful thing now you gotta, you gotta leave silver and gold on the ground and don't put it in the zone because otherwise you'll inflate your wealth and uh, well, that's just all right, all right. oh uh, <laughs> pro tip pro tips with will here excellent <laughs> so, so, uh, so the wait, idea, oh sorry don't no, continue idea. with your story yeah so is the idea that like all right if someone someone's jumping into rim world for the first time with like let's say zero colony sim experience or like any anything remotely close to that like you know i see that this game rim world is like uh one of like the highest rated games on steam pretty consistently 
it's very popular. I want to jump in, but they don't really have much experience with it. Like they should start with the tutorial. Yes. Or is there like a series of mods that they should pick up or like go and watch YouTube videos? I guess I'm, I'm still like also in that state of like, I don't really know like what the op, like not quote unquote optimal early game is, but like, I don't know how to feed my people. Like it seems kind of like a critical. I feel like you just build a farm and have a stove. Those are the, like the two things that are important. Once you get there, like the you'll land with enough food to last you through when your first crop harvest comes in, which they will eat so long as it's in the hall zone. H U L, not the dining hall. Uh, the you mean their their prepackaged food? Yeah, yeah. They'll 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 haul it to the zone and then they'll okay. go grab it and they'll go uh, sit at a table. Just wanted to make sure. I th- um, of course, maybe another step I was missing. Yeah, and you just like make a make a zone with some some farming, set it to make potatoes, and uh, they'll potatoes will grow, and then they'll cook them into into meals, simple meals, and your people will be uh, uh, filled. Yeah, they you will want not you be want... thrilled, they but they will be filled. Yeah, you want you want about twenty plots per pond. Um, if you're gonna go pure vegetarian, if you're gonna have uh, meat, then you go ten plots per um pawn um and it doesn't matter if you go rice potatoes or corn rice is a six-day maturity potatoes is 12 and corn is 22 it doesn't really matter corn is the has the highest yield and for the the least amount of effort but it's also on the field the longest so there's all these things you learn about like oh well in the beginning you want to plant a little bit of each and then slowly transition over to corn because that rice has got to be ready in six days and that's when your stove is built and that's when you can start eating good food and you have to eat the package stuff and um then all this is the game teaches you this though as you die over and over again and you realize oh that was a really shit base design right there I shouldn't have used wood oh I needed larger rooms because everyone's complaining about the how how cramped it was oh I needed this and that like every, this guy was walking ten like way inefficiently from this side of the map to that side. like you just kind of learn um and so I, for me I think that learning is the fun of the game and like I think once you start dying. Like a dying will, will make the game more fun for you. So if you're not dying, turn the difficulty up and then start <laughs> turn dying. Di- okay. And then you'll have a good time because you're like, oh, well, I just got punished real hard because I wasn't prepared for the mechanoid cluster. To I didn't have point. siege set or I didn't have siege ability set up. No, I know. I know I need to have siege on my my rate, my research early on. And so these are the things. This, these are the things. To your point, uh, yes, the, the, the losing is part of the fun. Uh, two distinct, two, two times I was distinctly having a good time. <laughs> Uh, that I specifically remember was like, ooh, I'm feeling that fun hit in my brain space, um, was when the pet monkey that had landed with my with my crew uh, was, which, you know, I don't know. I was I was telling uh, someone about this. I, I, this might be inaccurate. There's like an option to build a, a doggy door or like a pet door, <laughs> right? Yeah, flap. But since I had a monkey, the monkey was just using the normal front door, which like makes sense <laughs> to me. Like, no, but anyway, so the monkey who had like some fun, like mundane, like human name, I can't remember. But anyway, when that monkey got attacked by like a wild cat <laughs> and was like fighting the wild cat, and then I, I had to, and then all the colony had to come together and defend the monkey. Like that was like a very fun, enjoyable experience. And then like, I was trying to tame. We didn't kill the wildcat. I'm like, oh, maybe we can tame the wildcat. Oh, <laughs> you tried but to tame it? Unfortunately, on? oh, we failed no. to do that. And we also failed to save the monkey. And so it was a <laughs> it was a delightfully entertaining mess. Um, but uh yeah, so there's I, I agree that um the, the, the there's there's fun in difficulty and Rimworld does a good job of making 
that losing enjoyable, which is uh, is very good indeed. Now, um, uh, Scott, I had a similar experience to like the confusion of how to feed people. In I had confusion about how to hunt. Once I realized, oh, the crops are taking a long time to grow because obviously, you know, they need sun and they need time. Um, I thought, oh, well, I better have, in the meantime, while I'm waiting for the crops to grow, I should have someone go out and hunt and we can eat meat in the meantime, as, oh, as much as it hurts me to say that as a vegan. Um, and we can have somebody go out and hunt the cyber gobbler, the cyber turkey or whatever, the space turkey. Um, <laughs> and so I had a bit of a difficult time figuring out like, well, I, I just assumed like once I give the hunt command, like it'll go and that, and I won't have to worry about it. But no, there was like a, you know, there were, there were other steps that needed to be taken. Like I needed to designate that, you know, the dead animals should be hauled and I needed to go to my haul zone and designate that the haul zone, you were allowed to put dead things there. And then I mm -hmm. also needed to have like a butcher area and. And you need to set so you get butchers forever. So that it doesn't like. Yeah, the bill. It doesn't like butcher three creatures and you're like, well, I've done butchering forever. Yeah. So the bills, should you just set it to forever? I was like. Yeah. Reluctant for, to yeah, do that. Because I thought, oh no, maybe it'll like use up my food stores. And most of the other stuff. Or something. Yeah. Most of the other stuff do forever is bad, but for butchering, that's the. Butchering that's what is I, do forever. Okay. Yeah. Because you're basically, there's no reason you'd ever want to have a, a thing that you've hunted down. And then you're just like, well, mm -hmm. my job here is done. Might as well let it rot. Well, unless you yeah. like specifically start up like a custom modded scenario where you're doing like, I don't know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Sure, uh, sure, but sure. Uh, interesting. Well, that's kind of an annoying design choice but or not or not choice but a design uh lapse uh, perhaps um interesting interesting well how would you fix that design. how would you fix that well i guess I, in the case of the butchery thing like maybe there shouldn't be a bill <laughs> there should just be like eh, you're always doing that but i don't know would there be a situation where you might you know want to uh, hold off uh, if you're in like arctic freezing conditions like maybe i don't know maybe yeah. there's a way we're looking as a noob I mean, it could be something as simple as like for that specific station, when you build it, it comes with that bill automatically set. Like that is the default is butcher creature forever. And you, you know can I, turn it off if you want, but. I think we're describing uh, the system that, and I guess we'll come to it in a little bit uh, later when we talk about similar games specifically, but um we were recommended by one of our listeners to check out the um i guess it's kind of a colony sim but um maybe more of like a city builder sim if there's a difference uh, against the storm and oh yeah i was noodling around with it and, and like i think that's kind of what andrew's describing is like you like you build a building and instead of like uh, like in RimWorld, you build the butcher table and you have to go into the butcher table and you have to say, oh, I need like either set this to like repeat forever or do this X number of times. Uh, and against the storm, it's like you build this building and it's just like it's auto doing it for you, basically. As far sure, as I, sure. I guess I, I just brought it up as like uh, a lot of this, uh, <laughs> this podcast, I'm um, trying to be very trying to trying to be objective. <laughs> and trying not to dip too much into my like sort of personal opinion because again i recognize that this is a good game it's just maybe not a good game for my brain no i disagree um, you should get into your personal opinion <laughs> if you don't like it i mean i didn't like enter the gungeon 
Well, I so I just I did want to level like one one bit of you know uh, practical criticism, which is like, well, if if two if two veteran players agree, you should just always have it set to butcher infinitely. Then like maybe that should be updated. With yeah. it should not have the bill option. <laughs> but I mean, the other tables, it seems like it, the bills make sense. Like yeah, the bill, yeah. with the food, it's like well, you gotta designate what type of food, what t- level of meals you want made, and things like that. So that kind of that that part was made sense to me, though it was a little bit annoying to have to keep checking that. But no, I agree. I think I think a, a quick. I think there should be probably some settings that are like the default settings that you can opt out of, like in the main screen setting. Like where it's like, yeah, when you make your first butcher station, it automatically has the bill to do this. When you make your first stove, it automatically has it set to like build uh, ten um, simple meals and like just that. And like maybe there should just be settings outside of this so that every time you start a new game, you're not always having to reset these bills. Or it's like put a, a put a corpse zone or a, a corpse uh, an animal's corpse stockpile zone. directly adjacent to the butcher table whenever you put that down like yeah these are all i think reasonable things as someone who likes a little bit more customization because that's not always what you want to be doing like yeah eventually you would change that stuff but as a default for new players probably much easier to get into if that's um if that's there i agree fortunately once you start getting a handle on it it sounds like yeah it comes pretty sick yeah i don't even think about this stuff anymore so this is like it's interesting (laughs) to hear you guys both say oh i was confused by this or that actually wait I read so, on Reddit like, oh, you gotta watch out. You're everyone's gonna get sick if like someone was describing a situation where like everybody died because like they didn't clean up all of the gore and like the yeah. charnel piles of of filth. Um I, I so I was like watching for that, but it seemed like I don't know, it never became an issue. And just to be safe, I like put the butcher area like outside. So well, I don't know. Do you have to penalty. do that? Do you, do you have to like or when, when is it an issue that there's like too much butchered blood that you need oh, to it's always an issue as oh, soon as you get your first food poisoning and like especially if you have low oh, yeah. level if you have low level cooks you're gonna have lots of food poisoning and if you have a lot of gore from the butcher station next to the yeah. kitchen um or people running through that area because you make it a high traffic zone um then you make it so that you're gonna have lots of food poisoning which is high reduced speed lots more they have to eat they just be, they just suck basically for a day and a half i'm glad i put it in the back alley then. yeah Whew. butcher's alley classic so one thing I was excited to see in RimWorld versus Dwarf Fortress is that like in the world gen system, like you see like your globe is generated and all like the other little sieves are populated on there. One thing that kind of blew my mind was being able to like send people from your town effectively out to other towns, not even just on like little quests or missions. But from what I can tell, like you can you can explore all of those other areas on the map. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I, I have not found it to be like particularly rewarding to do so, but you can. Um, I, I guess maybe maybe it, it's better now than it used to be. I haven't done any of the like let's be raiders type of deal, but um, you can attack other settlements and stuff if you want. Yeah, I never got into it either. I think it's uh, it for me, like the tower defense sort of element of the game is much more fun. And just forming a colony and making all the decisions about who all is going, what kind of supplies, how far are they going? Am I going to be okay until they get back? And like all that stuff was just like a lot of mental overhead. Like those decisions for me just didn't feel that fun. And then all that happens on the over like the overworld is that like the little dot that is them 
you see them moving out there, they get there, either there's a, an event that takes place where they don't, you don't have to zoom in or you zoom in and you essentially usually have to like, like kill something or you do your trade and then you have to form your reform your caravan, send it back. And it's just like, oh my God, let me do a th- invest a thousand clicks in this little like caravan run that just is not, uh, it's not as effective as just like um, being back at home and just uh, making sure that they're cleaning up the butcher spot after they, they butcher something. And growing flake. I know it's like yes, or Yeo, or smoke leaf, or all. I mean, of Flake the is the most cost effective. That's I mean, Yeo is fine and all, but just not as, as effective. Well, Yeo is for the colonists. Flake is for the outsiders. Oh, that's that's fair enough. So, well, you've you've dabbled a little bit with the the DLCs. I think we kind of touched on them, but there's three of them. Each one released uh, one per year the past few years. So, I wonder actually if we're going to get one for 2023 or if they're going to start doing other stuff but uh in 2020 we had royalty which is like royal titles psychic powers imperial tech and new quests uh 2021 we had ideology which brought along belief systems social roles rituals more more quests psionics uh, and 2022 last year was biotech where will you mentioned uh being able to generate children uh feasting on their flesh uh, genetic modification and mechanoid boss fights like all these things sound like wild and crazy, but I know that there's like, so, so there's the DLCs, which are like bottomless in and of themselves. Uh, but there, there's also a pretty extensive mod scene mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah. Yeah. So Colin, you're, you're nodding your head in agreement. Uh, I have not checked out any of the mods. I don't think Andrew and I have, have gone. Well, down actually, the mod uh, initially when I was feeling like, oh, really cataclysm about, situation initially i was like oh i need something to spice it up i hear there's mods uh and so i downloaded a this is very clever uh the mod is called grim world because it's a it's a mm. warhammer forty thousand mod which adds like a custom scenario where you're like imperium of man uh like colonizers basically and you're being sent off to a planet to like make it part of the imperium and uh it adds little aesthetics to uh yeah basically to make it look kind of like warhammer and so like you start off like with the the gear that you start with is like a bunch of like army military outfits and laser rifles and chain swords and things and uh that was kind of fun i only did like one kind of brief run with that um but anyway yeah lots of mods i was seeing holy moly yeah there's some like I know the I, I I imagine the biotech mod took or a DLC took a little bit of the wind out of some of the sales, but there were a lot of mods before that were attempting to do that um, without having the true like back support. So maybe maybe those mods are even better now that you can there there's true support for for implementing like weird different species and furries and whatnot um <laughs> but so uh, like what what do the what do the biomods do exactly it's like you get a bionic arm and you're better at arm related tasks or like what is it what happens oh no i mean bio? this is like different species like oh, there's what okay. the, like one of the big ones i saw was like dinosaur stuff the di- they put dinosaurs in it and they're like you could make human dino hybrids and and all that fun stuff but i think it was like a little bit clunky i i never actually like played around with it extensively um but it was 
trying to do something that the system wasn't really built to do mm-hmm. versus now that the biotech mod is, or uh, DLC has come out. That is literally doing, it has implemented a like uh, back end for what these modders were trying to do. So I'm sure that in the next year or maybe now uh, they'll be able to take all their previous work and make it like much better with the specifically the back end for different species and different hybrid things and whatnot genes etc yeah so i'm sure that people are people are pretty passionate about a lot of these mods they're put real amounts of work into it so sure. and and from a newcomer's perspective it was super easy to install mods so yeah appreciate that thank you steam workshop slash thank you devs yeah there was a really cool mod uh like years ago it was like a mars colony simu like a like a mars landing simulator um but like 2026 level technology or something like very near future very realistic um but then it like the the creator stopped updating it and it didn't (laughs) stay in sync with the um rim world like version control and it stopped working um which was disappointing because it was like a really weird uh it was like the most accurate mars landing simulator that i've played and it was not an actual game it was just a mod for rim world so that was pretty cool yeah my, my modding experience is very light i mean honestly there's so much content just in the game itself like even without these dlcs um it, there's just so much in there like all i did was prepare carefully basically and i think i did at some point um i was doing a uh animals only sort of run where i just had one colonist that just tamed everything and that way it was <laughs> neat yeah and that's that's a fun way of playing too but like um that's uh that i had different like uh i think uh some animal expansion there but i think uh yeah prepare carefully is really the only one that i i, I paid a lot of attention to No way. Well, scores? Say, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I just real briefly, I was I was curious on the topic of mods. Is there any kind of like this would have to be like some kind of aftermarket, like messing around with you know some <laughs> some of the core files and stuff? Is this, does this game have multiplayer? Is there a multiplayer mod or like I don't I have no idea how know. it would work, but like is there any kind of co-op or versus? And then my other question is like, would it be fun as like a versus RTS game? Question mark. I don't think it would because time time stops whenever um like whenever the player the player has complete control over that. And so you'd have to do both in real time. And mm-hmm. so if you try to do both in real time, like I don't know, it'd become I guess yeah, like sort of a Starcraft S game where you're trying to micro a whole bunch of craziness happening at once. Um well, might work. One, I, I don't know. One thing that's kind of common in the Dwarf Fortress world is uh, save sharing, where like you build something up and then you like you save your save world kind of a thing, and like either someone takes over from where you're at, or like you you build up something to try to go invade that person's fort. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure really multiplayer would work per se. But I imagine, like, if, for example, Will built up, like, this really super stronghold base and then was able to pass the save over to me, I think you can do this in RimWorld. Check me if I'm wrong. But um, then I would be able to say, okay, I'm I'm on this world. Will's base is on there. I'm going to start a new base and try to go and invade it. Is that something that you can do? 
I haven't tried it. I imagine. I'm not sure. I can imagine like a some sort of weird asynchronous thing where it's like once per season you send a raid out to like try and attack the other person's base and you're you're kind of like explicitly doing like micro versus macro something. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know if you could just do like the normal game as a multiplayer and have it be like super fun. But uh you know people I, I from a brief Google search just now it looks as if there are mods that claim to be multiplayer esque. I don't I don't I don't know. Interesting, interesting. Being able to do it and having it be a fun, enjoyable experience are two different things. And then <laughs> another another question that is on the same topic, the topic of uh combat. Uh would this game be better for new people if there was a cataclysm safe mode auto pause? <laughs> that was so infuriating mm. previously. Because every time I got attacked, like it was, it came as a surprise because I wasn't paying attention to the message. Right. That's the game like, teaching oh, no, you to build zones. There's a barbarian madman here. Ugh. I mean, that that is the game teaching you to build zones. Like for your animals, if you don't want them wandering all over the map, you have to build a zone to keep them in it or oh, a pen. And so, as soon as you do that, then you don't have that kind of encounter where your 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 prized bonded animal is getting killed. Sure, it sure, usually sure. has a pop up that something's happening. Yeah, there's always sure, a sure. It's not. This isn't like, like a complaint per se. It just made gave me pause, and I was like, well, you know, maybe Cataclysm was onto something yeah. there. You get the like, pop up, uh, you're like, an option. <laughs> Andrew is being hunted by a polar bear. You're like, what? Uh-oh, uh oh, Andrew, you better run back to the. Oh no, the better polar bear is faster than you. Oh god, oh god, he's eating Andrew. Oh, ooh. well, maybe we'll be. Uh, nope. Oh, we can't even recover the corpse. Ooh, Ripperoo. <clears throat> indeed yeah well there you uh, there you have it and that's what that's what the experience of playing this game is like it's like being eaten alive by a coca-cola mascot <laughs> and that's a pretty good review um, <laughs> so sorry i cut off somebody was suggesting that we might go into ratings ratings yes indeed uh maybe maybe i'll start first because who knows how long my my uh 4G tether will last here, but uh, yeah, I thought this game was was good. Um, I it was kind of an insane week for me, so I felt like I didn't have an opportunity to dump as many hours into it as I wanted. But it definitely had that pull to it of like, ooh, I should go back to the game and try this versus our Cataclysm experience, which was like me feeling like a pit in my stomach of like, oh my god, like. I got to go back and like try to do something here. I guess maybe I'll try and really fighting that urge. So it was very much like pulling me in its direction, which was good. Um, I think the, yeah, the tutorial mode I'll, I'll say is worth checking out. It, uh, I think it gives you enough of an onboarding to, to kind of get started. The, the visuals and like the UI and the UX involved, like is, is a big deal. I think like it, it doesn't get talked about enough when games do good UI. And for all of the complexity that's going on in this game, it's kind of a triumph that there's like very simple, very straightforward menus of things to like point and click with a mouse and not using Vim keys to do so. Uh, that's a, a welcome experience. Um, I, I mostly played my time this past couple of weeks on the Steam Deck. And the fact that it's like natively playable on there is like mind blowing. <laughs> uh, and it's actually not a bad experience. Like, I would expect like, oh, the font size will be super small. It'll like chug really hard. No, like it, it played really, really well. Like I was very shocked about that. 
So I think like top to bottom, the game is like really well engineered. Uh, the music in this game is really good. It's very fitting to the theme, I think. Um, the build copy button is an absolute life lifesaver uh, from Dwarf Fortress days. But um, and yeah, things like the the community and like the wiki are all so like highly skillfully engineered that it this is a game that yeah, if like if you're remotely interested in this kind of topic, I think you'll get a lot of value of. I think my only kind of gripe with this is that some of the things are a little like terse for newbies, but I think it's like once you get over that hump, you're like, oh, okay, I got it. Um, and then I think the theme is a little weird where it's like, I think they the Tynan Sylvester, the creator, the D&D name guy was saying that it's like very Firefly inspired, which I like, it kind of like, I'm like, okay, I think I get it in terms of like dusters and cowboy hats, but like M16s and like Uzis with space travel seem a little incongruous to me. Maybe I'm just nitpicking, but like, maybe I'm looking more for like, like one of those, uh, warhammer total conversion mods or like the kenshi one or if like or if they're ideally if there's one from like the expanse universe i feel like that would theme really well in here uh so yeah i don't know I, like space western stuff i'm eh on but i think all the rest of the stuff like kind of ticks all the right boxes and i can totally see myself spending a lot more time with this in the future too so for me it's gonna clock in at my number six game that we've reviewed so far out of 34 just ahead of Monster Train and just behind Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Um, again, this is something that I feel like that ranking might change over time if I like spend more time with it. I'd be like, oh my God, this game is amazing 500 hours later. But uh, I think after my my brief experience, uh, you know, like top top five, six, that's, that's not so bad. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I mean, that's out of a list of almost forty. We're getting close to forty. Uh, that's that's quite that's quite good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go next. We'll we'll alternate between noobs and pros. Uh, so I know Will is going to be angry about this. Um, I'm going to rank this as our number four game on this on our podcast list. Uh, despite it being one of my top five favorite games of all time, I think that it is the best game that we've played so far in terms of how much I like the game. I don't think it is the best roguelike game. Um, I think that if you are treating this solely as trying to find a roguelike experience out of it, it's a pretty good game. Uh, but my favorite parts of it, I, like, and, and the way I've been playing it in the last... Uh, two weeks has been trying to like push the difficulty so that it is a true roguelike experience where you're losing often. Um, and I find it like, I still like it a lot. Um, I think it's still a really good game. Uh, it, there are parts of it that get a, a little bit repetitive, like doing the intro base setup thing more than once. You're like, well, I've already done this. It's not, it's not different enough to be like, super thrilling um and i like the mid game or late game more which by the time you get to that point it is less of a roguelike and more like a city builder or something like that um so i think it is a really good game i it simulation games are my jam and i know uh will and i have talked about like if i was given a billion dollars and said hey go go like give this money to someone to make a video game my 
ultimate video game would be basically this, but ant themed. <laughs> I want like a, I think that an ant an ant theme is the actual perfect theme for a colony simulator, uh, like a weird fantasy ant simulator where they're like intelligent ant creature things. I think that would be so fucking cool. Um, that's not going to get made, but I would love it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to say number four for roguelikes, number one so far out of games that we've played in terms of just sheer how much I like the game because I love Rimworld. Right on. Fantasy Ant, that's a very popular search term in certain corners of the internet. Uh, so I was playing and uh, at one point of uh, uh, my my sort of longest playthrough, um, a wild man showed up. Just some hulking goon wandering around. But, you know, hey, he wasn't hurting anybody. He wasn't stealing too much stuff. And so it just kind of let him hang around. And after... Uh, few days he got friendlier and by golly he he joined up and uh he started helping out around the colony he, he was it turned out he was actually pretty good at, at building stuff so uh i thought that and that gave me uh quite a bit of joy um and i thought that was very entertaining very simple but like again a fun little you know interaction all these different complex systems working together to provide a unique fun experience of my you know, uh, my ragtag group of colonists trying to survive on this on this planet, um, and uh, I I see a lot of myself in that that wild man, <laughs> <laughs> and it taught me that you know even a Neanderthal uh, such as myself can find enjoyment um, in a game such as this, um, and though it was not as the, the enjoyment wasn't as easily acquired and it wasn't as um, often <laughs> that I was having big jumps of fun. Uh, I still, you know, enjoyed uh, my experience with RimWorld. Uh, my ranking is like, I mean, if I, if I if I was ranking this purely based on like, oh, is it my favorite game, the most fun I've had, it'd be, it'd be pretty low. But <laughs> um, I think in terms of like how objectively like good and impressive, like what an achievement this game is, I think it is just that it's quite an impressive as, as like a student of game history and like uh game design and stuff i think RimWorld is quite an impressive game and uh so i'm putting it at number four on my list all right well <clears throat> prepare yourselves for the correct answer here um <laughs> yeah so RimWorld, uh it is tied for first place of all games ever made um, with uh, Factorio, Slay the Spire, Kerbal Space Program, and Kenshi. It is, it's, it's I can't, I can't say which is the best of all these because each of them are perfect games in their own way. And the only games I've ever awarded the 10 out of 10 rating to out of oh, literally hundreds in my list. What about Kerbal Space Program? Kerbal, got Kerbal Space mentioned. Program was a 10 out of 10. What do you mean? Oh, did you say that? I, I did say that. Not to worry. Good looking out there. Not to worry. It's on the list. Don't worry. It is on the list. Um, but yeah, Rimworld is uh I mean 580 hours. I mean, that's that speaks for something here. And I think um it's just it's such a diverse 
uh, there's so much content in the game. There's such a diverse number of approaches you can take to the game. Um, there's so many weird zany things you can do. So many weird zany ways you can die. And now with a new DLC, it's just there's just so much in there. And for me, opening it up at, like every time I get like it's there's always a new goal that emerges. There's always a new pathway of achieving that goal. And I think really, if I had to boil down the essence of what makes this game fun for me, it's this. In it's like a an intensely scientific sort of problem. You you're constantly presented with with questions, uh, and you have to form hypotheses. Like like for instance, like even just on this playthrough, this is the first time I've really thought like, how much food do I actually need for each pawn? Like at, at a bare minimum, and like what's the optimal amount of food to plant? How what's the optimal cycle of food to plant? Like at which points in the as you begin the game? Like what's the build order you need to do? And so this is something that can be answered with enough analysis. And so I just love that this game pulls me out of actually playing the game into spreadsheets where I'm trying to figure this oh, no. out. I feel so inspired to be like, I need to know, like, what is the right? And I actually have a huge, like a, a huge spreadsheet that's figuring out like, okay, well, this, this plant, this much rice, this much potatoes, this much corn on this day, you switch from rice to, and it's just like, it, this is, oh, it's so satisfying when it works. And I just. I just fucking love it. And you just have the constant questions. How do I do this? How do I do that? What's the optimal way of doing this? Oh, oh my goodness. I'm just, I just want to spark up some RimWorld right now and just, you know, <laughs> just get that flake directly, um, you know, up the, up the nose. Skip or it, go straight to Excel. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excel, Excel, the ultimate. No, Excel's, oh, we're in G sheets now. That's, uh, that's how mm -hmm. you do these modern things, but. You want to be able to share and collaborate. In fact, I think I built a RimWorld spreadsheet or a, 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 a G sheet like four or five years ago um, for prepare carefully where I put this um, uh, like really complex, like here is the results of like, if you have to choose three colonists, these are the ideal three based on all of the thousands of reasons. And like, this is something I posted and it's fun. Even to this day, I can go onto that spreadsheet and there's still people on there getting information about how to make prepare <laughs> carefully, like uh, pawns perfect. And I just, I love that about that the community there and I, I love that there's a lot of other inquisitive minds out there who want to really maximize so that's i mean 10 out of 10 what else is there to say it's it is a maximum game and you all should play it which means sorry did you officially state what what the what you're, what it's oh, on it's, the rank it's, then? it's one it's, it's number, it's number one game number by one, far folks I mean, luck be a landlord is now slid in the number two. And in terms of like, and then we have war sim after that. And it's just like, well, RimWorld is just so far above. Like, I mean, in terms of its content and replayability, like in terms of raw fun, you have experience while playing the game. Yeah, they're all pretty similar, I think. Um, but uh, RimWorld just has just so much more reliable dopamine um, that lasts five. Like there's not 580 hours worth of content in luck be a landlord or war sim. So like, yeah, that's a... Uh, it's uh that's why it's getting a 10 out of 10 here. All right. Number one rating. Right on. Just want to make sure we got enough fanfare on that. Number one. Gotta make it will. Yeah, well, that's gonna make Rimworld uh our overall number two game of the podcast. So after far. what? Uh it's just after FTL faster than light and oh you guys Monster Train, finally. Monster Train has been demoted to number three. Oh my word. Um but yeah, so uh, if if you are interested in RimWorld or RimWorld adjacent things, obviously we've talked a lot about Dwarf Fortress a lot. Um, Colin, I think you mentioned Prison Architect as oh yeah, kind of similar. It kind of similar. It's definitely stylistically like the visuals were right. uh, a, a direct 
uh, inspiration? Um, one that I've kind of had my eye on just because it seems so absurd uh, is Timberborn, the uh, mm. the beaver uh, dwarf fortress simulator. Also which... delightful. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, but I, I, do have a, I do have a short list here of games that uh, I think this is a growing new genre of the rogue spectrum of games that are, are colony builders, but more explicitly trying to get into the rogue format. So we we briefly touched on Against the Storm earlier. Uh, that's worth calling out again. Um, just very recently released in the past few days uh, is a game called Dot Age, which is like, uh, A, it's a pun on the old, old man character that you play as, but uh, it's like, what if Dwarf Fortress, but Super Nintendo graphics, which seems very interesting and delightful. Um, there's there's another one uh keeper rl we got uh, what else on those list? kingdom new lands is is kind of another one uh one that's kind of come up a couple times which i'm kind of scared about is a uh, something called ratropolis uh but colin to your point about uh bugs we got bugs i'm from buenos aires kill them all there's a game on steam called buggos oh go on which give it a quick give it a quick search uh, I believe is kind of exactly what you were describing five minutes ago. Wait, well, not, it? it's not quite, I think. Oh, uh, there we go. Two, two G's, Buggos. Uh, I mean, I can tell already from looking at the graphics, there aren't going to be enough uh, ants getting their, their heads ripped off by enemy mandibles. I want, I want StarCraft one level graphics of like true, <laughs> true grit. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I am the guy who has the, uh, the ants textbook and read it for fun and ants are fucking metal dude they're they're so brutal i want i want a brutal one i want them to be like spitting acid in each other's faces and like parasitizing the queen and supplanting them via like mind control drugs and i want i want like a weird uh, yeah like kenshi or marwind like level like kind of alien feel to it but i i will look at buggos a little bit more well, I guess that's going to wind down our uh, our RimWorld episode here. If you want to write into the show and suggest uh, some stuff for us to check out, uh, email us at grogpodzone at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Mastodon at grogpod. You'll know the one. Uh, and then our website is grogpod.zone, where you can find all of our other episodes and rankings and, and fun stuff. Uh, Andrew. What's uh what's our our game that we're looking at for next time? Well, Scott, you I think it can be safely said axolotl questions. We're going to be playing AK axolotl as in an axolotl wielding an AK47. I'm talking yeah. roguelite top down shooting it up shmups, not a shmups, but a twin stick shooter. Uh, which has some fun art and uh, has been getting pretty favorable reviews recently released this year, I believe. Sweet. Let's lock and load. Uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll be fun to play, uh, get, getting back into the, the Gungeon-style action. Uh, but for this episode, uh, to play us out from our frontier Rimworld colony on the rim of the galaxy are some lo-fi rim beats uh, for you to get your flake production up and running.